Welcome into another episode of the Young Turf Podcast. Ahmed Gafir and Mason Viner. Ahmed, strong weekend from the Turfs. Football gets number seven. Basketball picks up another win. Let's start it on the hard court. How did things look at Xfinity this weekend? Yeah, obviously, like you mentioned, it was a busy weekend, busy afternoon into the evening, but uh, obviously for for Maryland, uh, able to pull out their second consecutive win uh, of the season, their third third win of the season to get back to 500. Uh, largely did not look like it was going to be, you know, maybe a, an easy win that maybe a lot of Maryland fans expected through the first 20 minutes. Maryland only took a three-point lead into the halftime. Uh, just the offense, everything just kind of looked funky, and uh, South Alabama was kind of able to get it going offensively a little bit uh, as well, but uh, Maryland was able to ride a uh, 23 to four run through the first seven minutes of that second half. Uh, only four Terps ended up scoring, uh, which is very uh, uncommon. Uh, but you see uh, Julian Reese finishing with his, uh, I believe, his second double, second consecutive double double, third of the season, uh, with 19 points, 15 rebounds. Dante Scott uh, chipping in with uh, with 16 points, or excuse me, 19 points. Jordan Geronimo, <clears throat> excuse me, adding 14 points as well. Jameer Young stepping up as well, adding 16. But um, a little bit, little bit of a concern with the supporting cast. Yes, yeah, certainly. You mentioned it. Four Terps score. One of the strangest box scores I think you'll see in a Maryland basketball game, especially uh, in a win where the Terps almost get 70 points. Same woes uh, that we love to talk about here on the show. Five for 31 from three. Uh, too many attempts. A lot of bad shots early in the game. I believe Deshaun Harris-Smith was 0 for 5 from three in it. Uh, Maryland 15 turnovers. The Terps, uh, once again, now the 332nd best three-point shooting team in college basketball. I believe this one moved them back down to the worst shooting three-point team in the country, and it is just plain old ugly. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned it, you know, obviously, Sean Harris-Smith, you know, finishing over five from three, you know, that's not when you kind of look at just what what his strengths are, you know, three-point shooting is not one of them, you know, you look at Jamie Kaiser, he finished over uh, over five as well from three-point, um, that's more of his specialty, but again, you know, you talked about just the shot selection, so I think that's kind of something that, you know, through this three-game homestand that, you know, Kevin Willard kind of pointed to and to say, hey, this is kind of what I expect this team to, to kind of you know, stabilize, find it, find itself, get into a groove. Um, that's kind of where maybe you're you're a little bit concerned, obviously. But um, yeah, you know, outside of the the four uh, scorers, you know, Maryland finished over twelve from the field, and um, again, you know, it's a it's, it's a bit of a concern because you know, like I mentioned uh, on the show there, during the uh, the midweek show last week, you know, the the lesser opponents, you're still able to kind of take away a little bit from the in terms of a shooting aspect and um, able to maybe get a groove and, and kind of catch fire a little bit. But Maryland really has not been able to do so. Um, again, kind of leaning on those four guys. It's good to see Jordan Geronimo be able to step up, um, add a little bit more offensively. You know, uh, I think a lot of people expected him last year, uh, based on what he showed last year at Indiana, um, that he wouldn't be able to, um, you know, contribute too, too much, maybe outside the paint. So um, for him to be able to do that, finish five of eight as well, um, that's, that's reassuring. But um, again, you know, I think it, it's safe to say, you know, maybe through, you know, these first five, five, six games or so, you know, that obviously Maryland is not going to be a good three-point shooting team or a good shooting team, period. Um, and maybe the pieces that, you know, we expected to um, show up just really have not yet. Um, so you kind of have to start wondering, you know, how does Willard, you know, tweak the lineups? Because, you know, what what he's doing now, what's, what's, what's currently going on, uh, just frankly, isn't working. No, it's not. Um, definitely like this team when they're aggressive, when they when they bring the pressure. I felt like they were really fighting having to go to that look in this game, trying to really establish a normal half-court offense pace of play. 
but this team might have to rely on pressure and just getting really, really hard to the basket. Again, early in the game when they're struggling, it almost feels like there's some sort of hesitation, especially from Reese to finish towards the basket and be the toughest guy down low. Geronimo sort of picked that up. But ultimately, this team is not going to be a high-flying three-point shooting team. And that, that's tough for some of the guys on the roster, mainly, you know, Jameer Young and Dante Scott, guys who came back here trying to put together that last part of their professional basketball resume, whether that be the NBA or especially overseas basketball, where the scoring is is definitely where the entertainment factor is at. As that grows uh, internationally, they're not really going to get what they came back here for, but it doesn't mean they're going to stop trying. Uh, and that is one of the downsides of get, having these guys back. But ultimately, when they needed them, Dante Scott showed up, props you know, or due to him, he's had a really tough start to the season, came back with a bounce back game, definitely hit some shots, looked a lot better as a player. But look, guys, guys come back to sell themselves. Guys like Jamie Kaiser, Deshaun Harris-Smith, they're looking um, now one and done might not be their goal, but it's definitely an option for them if the season went great for Maryland. So guys are going to put up shots. They're going to try and make a highlight reel. Yeah, I mean, uh, the way recruiting is going, maybe uh, not not being one and dones is uh, is, is going to be a good thing for Maryland. But uh, like you said, you know, obviously just kind of being able to get some of these guys just in a groove a little bit. I, I think it'll just be interesting. You know, I think Deshaun Harris-Smith, we kind of saw flashes of it um, in, against UMBC, just him a little bit more assertive uh, and finishing, uh, or excuse me, being rewarded with the points, obviously, um, in that Tuesday night win. So, um, again, you know, Maryland has another tune-up against Ryder coming up uh, this, this upcoming Tuesday. But again, you know, you look at a guy like Noah Bachelor again, who, you know, really only played five minutes. And, you know, when you look back at that uh, UAB game back at the Asheville tournament, um, that was a guy that will return to as that fifth starter to potentially provide some scoring off the bench. But, um, you know, I think, like you said, you know, I think one positive from the game and, and like you, you mentioned, you know, Dante Scott, I think I think there is some truth to Willard just noting, you know, um, just him playing on the wing, getting more comfort, uh, figuring out four spacing between he and Jordan Geronimo, because naturally I think those two guys, um, their, their natural, uh, their tendencies are to play very similar to each other. So I think kind of learning to play off each other a little bit, I think uh, that we got a chance to see a little bit of that on Saturday, but um, again, it's, it's hard to take too, too much away with uh, just how bad the shooting has been. Yeah. And, and, Going back on my last point, I don't want anybody to think this guy, you have to put up threes. You got to make some threes to win basketball games. I wasn't saying it in that sense. I was just saying guys come back, you know, if they're looking for NBA tape, they really got to show that they can shoot. That's really the only downside of those players. Ultimately, you hope coming out on Tuesday, seven o'clock, uh, they take on Ryder at home. They can put together a complete game um, of, of getting to the basket, driving, kicking, knocking down some shots, finding some rhythm because Look, the Indiana game is next Friday. I mean, that that's a big opportunity on the road to kind of right the ship. Then they come back for Penn State, uh, and and later in the month they have UCLA. So you start to you know kind of count your wins, realize that this league right now is looking, frankly, terrible. Um, they're going to have to find a way to win upwards of 11, 12, 13 Big Ten games. They want to make it to the NCAA tournament unless they can – and that, that really starts – this coming week. So yeah. kind of running out of time to figure out things for Willard. I know that he's really asked for patience. He's asked for the fans said it publicly, this is going to be a tough start to the season, but the, the real season that those two games, they got to at least split them, if not come away with a pair of wins just to get it together. And I don't think that's realistic to say at this point, but it is kind of fact. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, um, if Maryland comes out and plays like against Indiana, the way they did it in the Asheville tournament, um, you know, I, I don't know how much even, you know, splitting that game, that second game against Penn State, like 
how much does that really move the needle? Um, you know, I, I think, you know, we talked about, you know, just the, the, you know, the time is kind of running out and I agree, you know, um, this was, this was a stretch and, you know, I've mentioned it a couple of times, but, you know, going into the season that, you know, there was an expectation that it was going to take some time for these guys to, you know, kind of figure out um, how to play with each other, uh, how to, you know, kind of play in Willard system. Uh, but like you said, you know, that, that time runs out, um, you know, December 1st, because uh, then, you know, two, three weeks later, uh, they got a road trip against UCLA. So, uh, I think I think Maryland just kind of the way that they played against Villanova and Maryland's lack of success really away from Xfinity last year. Um, I think Maryland does need to figure it out, and Ryder is kind of that last tune-up for Maryland uh, before Maryland needs to make that statement against Indiana. Yeah, that is certainly true. We'll see how things pan out this week. Of course, all the coverage over on InsideTheBlackAndGold.net. All right, and now switching over to football. Uh, Maryland back in the win col- column. They pick up number seven uh, this week on the season, wrapping things up at seven and five, 42 to 24 win at SHI Stadium over Rutgers. Ahmed, not going to call them instant takes this week since we're recording on Sunday. Uh, what's your game take for the Terps uh, season finale? Yeah, I think, you know, um, you know, we touched on the the last point in the game preview was, you know, Maryland, the, these last couple of weeks, you know, um, coming out of Ohio State, you know, they came out flat and then Northwestern was flat. And then, um, you know, the, the it just felt like there were a couple of times where, you know, it felt like, you know, going into this game, you kind of wondered what performance uh, you would see out of Maryland. And, you know, to start out the games, touchdowns on your first four possessions, you know, three in the first quarter to take that 21-3 lead early. Um, I thought that was exactly what Maryland needed to do, kind of um, to just really come out and dominate. Uh, we touched on it in last week's show, you know, but like on paper, uh, this team was the better team, even though this Rutgers team has been able to show a little bit more fight this season. Uh, but again, I, I just felt like it showed um, obviously a chance to go in, go into Saturday with a, a chance to record a, a big, big record, obviously with Talia Tagovailoa um, inching closer to the record for the big 10 uh, all-time passing record there before eventually uh, closing on it. But uh, ended up being a big day for the offense defense did enough. And it felt like there were maybe a five, five minute stretch there and late in the first half that you kind of wondered, would this be maybe, maybe a repeat of 2015. Uh, but obviously I think Maryland was able to kind of come out and uh, kind of control the clock and then Billy Edwards do it late. So just felt like Maryland was, was able to do exactly what they needed to do, prove that they were the better team uh, and come out with a three, two road, uh, road record this year. Yeah. And, and for me, uh, looking at the game as a whole, obviously Maryland takes care of business. I mean, this is, I'm glad to say now where this program is at um, games against Indiana and Rutgers. Those were the, the teams you highlighted you had to beat uh, when the big 10 East really became a division uh, of the conference. They've been able to do that now the past two seasons. It's improved the record overall. Ultimately, Maryland was just really the better football team. Greg Schiano looked, I mean, just distraught on the sideline after the start of the game. The only thing I'm a little bit disappointed about when you look at a performance like this is that middle section, Ahmed. When it got up to that 21 mark, I was like, this is this is it. You know, last week would have been the statement win, but this is the time where Maryland's actually going to come out, beat a Big Ten opponent on the road that has a winning record, you know, something like 59 to 14, or, or they were really going to close out and show that 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 complete game would have been played in conference. Unfortunately, just a little bit short of that, those those couple of minutes there between the end of the first half and, and the beginning of the third quarter kind of stopped them short of that. But look, the, guy, the guys that needed to show up that lead this team did this week. It, it wasn't a, a step forward, uh, how you want to take it, a 7-5 and five record, 
It's a little bit disappointing. We got a lot of time to talk about that, but ultimately, you know, Leah gets the record, which is big for the program. Locks gets the win, which is big yeah. for the program. And a couple of results went Maryland's way. We'll talk again, a lot of time to talk about recruiting too. A couple other results in the country go Maryland's way uh, this week, but it, it was a good way to close out the season. And if that's the last game for some of these guys, it was the right way to go out. And, and the program gets third straight winning season, really. And this might be crazy to a lot of people that are listening to you the entire time I've been watching Maryland football. And, and, you know, since the first time since I was, I guess, two years old. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, we 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 touched on, you know, um, we touched on last week, you know, just kind of where this program has gone, and you know, just kind of taking for granted, you know, getting to the bowl wins, and you know, I looked at it. Uh, this if, if Maryland goes into their bowl game now uh, with a chance to win, uh, win its third consecutive bowl game for the third consecutive year, the first time in program history that Maryland's done so. But uh, you know, heading back to this week again, wouldn't feel like it moved the needle. Can't say that I, I, you know, looked at that result or looked at the game and said, oh, I felt any differently about Maryland or oh, they they reached another level that we hadn't seen before. No, I hadn't done that. I, I, you know, Loxley, he made a comment post game about, you know, it's a little bit frustrating when you see your offense coming out firing like that when you say, hey, this is this is what we should have been doing. We expect to be doing all year. Um, but again, you can't you can't control the past. You can only control the now. And I thought what Maryland did closing it out, um, the best possible chance obviously was seven and five. Um, and I think that was, you know, the, no fan is going to say that it was a, a successful season. But I think every fan recognizes that this was the floor of a successful season. And again, you know, being able to close out against Rutgers, um, I thought that was a good win. And like you mentioned, you know, the the Nebraska game, uh, the way that went on Friday, uh, Merrill being able to, to close that out the way they did on, on Saturday. Um, you know, I thought that was really good. And shout out to Deshaun Jones, who became the eighth receiver, uh, the Eclipse uh, 2000 receiving yards. He enters the bowl game if he does play, which think he will uh and will end up playing i think a lot of these guys will end up playing but uh he enters uh eight yards behind dante demas for seventh in program history for career yards yeah and and overall you know uh, it's just one of those games where you know I'll, I'll go off of what loxley said it really felt like you know the way they were moving the ball roman hemby gets over 100 yards in this game Corey dice just kind of reemerges, and, and you can see what they really were able to do with him and yeah rutgers coverage early in the game was just non-existent i mean it was a really really poorly played game a surprisingly in my opinion poorly played game by Rutgers defense which has been the strength of that team the entire season but just one of those moments that makes you think you know if they could execute like this that they, they could they can win a lot of games win some of the games they shouldn't they they didn't win but ultimately all they can control is now and and really it, it's starting to become apparent that they as a staff and and as a program they have to find a way to push two things week in and week out. The first one is, and, and Loxley says this in his hype video, I pointed out on the post game show that Wayne and I did. He always says, you know, that he believes, or like it starts with the belief that they can, you know, th that yeah. seems like against Rutgers, against Indiana, some of these teams they have beaten and competed against. You can clearly see the difference when they believe they can win. The other one has to be the sense of urgency that pops up at the end of the season. They have to find a way to generate that, you know, in, in kind of, I guess, the dog days, if you want to call them that. That's what you call them in baseball. But in Maryland football, I guess we also have those too. In October and early November, we're kind of in the middle of it. Guys are banged up. You know, things aren't – it's not the hype part of the season. You're not first starting out. You're not trying to finish it strong. Right there in the middle of it, you got to find a way to do that because when this when it's really on the line, when it's the last opportunity, the last three seasons, uh, this team's really shown up, whether that's against one of the big three or, or just the last game of the season. This team shows up for that game and and – just got to find a way to generate that, but there's going to be a lot of 
a lot of potential roster holes that need to be filled. And, and there's going to be locks has his work cut out for him uh, in the next couple of months. Yeah, I think so. I think obviously, um, you know, look at the quarterback, look at offensive line, which is going to be uh, a, a big work in progress again this offseason. Um, you look at cornerback, you know, we lose Starheep still, lose Quan Shepard. Um, you know, the front seven, they, they, they should be in good hands. Uh, obviously, you lose Najee Gote, likely Ruben Hippolyte as well. But um, I think there, there, there's a lot of returning pieces, you know, Kellen Wyatt, uh, Jay Sean Barham, uh, Caleb Wheatland, uh, Daniel Wingate, you know, the other guy who played a lot last year. So I think, think there's there's lots of like, but obviously, like you said, you know, a lot, lot of pieces. But, um, you know, again, we're looking at, Maryland's game against Rutgers, I thought, you know, again, it's just kind of solidified what we expect. And um, it'll be kind of interesting to see kind of how, how that kind of fares going into uh, bowl eligibility or, or, excuse me, bowl outlook, bowl, uh, bowl game, postseason play, all that. But, um, you know, again, I, I think I think every Maryland fan kind of looked at this weekend and said, man, if, if only only Maryland was able to kind of put this production against, you know, Illinois Northwestern. But, um, you know, again, I think uh, I think that the overall offensive production this year I thought was good. And uh, that is evident by Talia Tagovailoa's uh, Big Ten record yesterday. Yeah, it sure was. And defensively, I mean, you mentioned the front seven. I thought really, really strong game from them. Manungai did creep over 100 yards in the game. Uh, Rutgers, I mean, ultimately at the quarterback position, this was supposed to be their, their guy that yeah. was coming in to make this happen. Clearly, I don't think that Greg Schiano's quite found himself a serviceable quarterback uh, in his time in Piscataway yet. They got some, they'll go into the offseason with a lot of questions about their offense, but Terps defense took care of business. You know, a couple more points given up probably than, than you would like to see in the game, but, you know, that's what happens. They were really heavy rotation at the end of the game. Mike Harris, Daniel Wingate, you know, getting time. Perry Fisher, uh, DJ Samuels gets on the field. A lot of LeVon Johnson and Dylan Fontas on the inside too. So you're starting to see, I think, what Maryland sees as the pieces they need to develop here in the next, the extra couple of weeks of practice in the bowl game. And as, as you know, Maryland's one of those programs that they're going to play, you know, pretty much everybody that suits up in the bowl game. So we'll get a chance to look at uh, a lot of the future pieces that Maryland needs to put together. Yeah, I mean, you look at two years ago with that pinstripe bowl, and you got a chance to see a lot of uh, uh, Ramon, uh, excuse me, Roman Hemby, Antoine Littleton. That was really the first dose. Um, you know, look at the bowl game, expect to see a lot more of the tight ends. You know, Rico Walker, Preston Howard, uh, uh, Dylan Wade, uh, AJ Sizmanski, who's coming a lot on short yardage packages on that, uh, that in the, uh, you know, again, short yardage packages. So, again, all four of those guys, uh, all three of those guys, you know, get a chance to, to kind of step up. And then, you know, Neo Avery, you know, I think every every fan was kind of looking at, you know, the, the chance of him obviously suiting up, but, you know, getting him back to the bowl game. But, um, again, it, it'll be, be kind of interesting, obviously, get a chance to, you know, rest up between now and finding out when that bowl feed is. So, a uh, lot, 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 uh, lot, lot to check in on. Yeah, and let's talk about those bowl possibilities. Uh, Terps with a couple out there. Most of the projections have them going to the Las Vegas Bowl. Also an opportunity at the guaranteed rate bowl in Phoenix. Ahmed, where else are the Terps uh, looking, and and who are the projected opponents? Yeah, I mean, it seems like, you know, over the last two, three weeks, you know, and I mentioned this on Inside the Black and Gold uh, forum on, on Sunday morning, you know, felt like Las Vegas and Phoenix, ever since the, the Penn State game, those, those were kind of the two – uh, that re really coming into focus, um, Las Vegas, a little bit higher preference, just kind of with it being a little bit more higher stature, higher uh, allure of a, of, a, of a bowl destination uh, than Phoenix. But um, big, big result on Friday. Like we mentioned, you know, Nebraska just 
felt like, you know, again, like two weeks ago, they just didn't want to win the game and uh, just giving it right away to Iowa, losing at home, taking them out of bowl eligibility. I think that was a big, big first domino. And then obviously for Maryland, for them to pull out that win, I think that that kind of really set the stage for Vegas um, and kind of going into Sunday morning, you know, we'll, we'll see what action network, but I expect them to kind of be in line with Las Vegas because Right now, that is where I expect Maryland to play. Um, again, probably you see Northwestern go to Detroit. Uh, Pinstripe gets Rutgers. So I think Maryland's in a really good spot. You know, Loxie talked about it uh, post game uh, following the Rutgers win. But Maryland did well traveling these last two years. Uh, they have some ammo to sell on the offensive side of the ball. So I think it's a pretty pretty natural fit there for, for Maryland. So uh, we'll see. I think I've seen USC. I've seen Oregon State. Uh, I've seen Utah. So uh, I think – I think USC would be a, a pretty pretty intriguing matchup for Maryland. Obviously, it would be uh, super, super uh, ironic how for Caleb Williams to end up opting out of the bowl game to end his college career, uh, uh, miss out on a chance to, to end his college career against Maryland. I think every fan would kind of want to see that. But um, nonetheless, I think that's a, a, a good bowl destination. And uh, really, all three of those would be bowl, good bowl opponents for Maryland. Yeah, they certainly would. I mean, a, a chance that really Utah, probably the best team that's been thrown out there, Oregon State. You know, they've not fared nearly as well uh, the last couple of weeks against Washington and Oregon, but still a super solid team now without their head coach who heads to Michigan State. Um, but ultimately, the USC matchup, I feel like that's the one when you talk about selling bowl spots, there's a lot to it from, you know, TV perspective is, is heavily involved. So if Caleb does play, which I'm very 99% sure probably not going to happen, um, that would be a huge selling point, obviously, along with if Leah plays, which I think he's more on the side of that. He probably will play. Ahmed, yeah. I, I'm not yeah. sure about that. Yeah. I think he's definitely all in. Post game yesterday that he'll play in the bowl game. I really, again, I like Bo Brain. Like, I could see him opting out. Um, haven't confirmed that yet. I'll have, you know, I'll have that update for, for subscribers. But um, again, you know, I, I do expect the, the vast majority of these guys to, to, to stay in. Um, sorry, I cut you off there. Yeah, but it's ultimately a TV selling thing. And Maryland is, it puts up good ratings. I mean, Maryland does put up good ratings on TV. Not, might not have the best attendance in person, but Maryland constantly, when they play games, especially of any sort of uh, notoriety that are on major television networks, Maryland's a highly rated sports property that's out there as much as Maryland fans, you know, see all the holes uh, that are in the program. But people do like to watch the team on TV. People like to see Leah. They'll get the ESPN 7 o'clock you know, spot on the 23rd, if they go to Vegas, that's going to be something that, that, you know, will sell well to have him out there and look to put him up against a future big 10 opponent uh, in, in USC, a team that Maryland will play next year at home in mid October. That, that seems to be exactly where college football, especially ESPN's trending. You've seen, if you've noticed over the weekend, they've added Texas and Oklahoma to like the sec preview for next year. Yeah. Um, they're pushing the conference realignment, not as much for the big 10 since they don't have it anymore as a property, but they're, they, you know, they can only sell what's out there to sell, and right now that's conference realignment in in the new college football era. There's no yeah. for that. Yeah, I got you with it. Um, I think yeah, I think USC. I think I look at it just from really the recruiting standpoint. I mean, hell, ever since USC joined the Big Ten, felt like uh, for about a year and a half now, you go out to write some random practice and you see Roy Manning, USC assistant, out on the sideline. Um, and you know what, USC, you know, still rings pretty true, even though Lincoln Riley, you know, these first two years have not really gone, you know, what a lot of fans expected. 
it's still LA. Um, they were still able to to keep Jalen Harvey in the mix for quite some time. And at one point, you know, even though it looked like Maryland might be in the lead, it looked like USC might be in the lead. There's a lot to sell there. So I think Maryland going into the bowl game, um, and and you know, even if Caleb Williams opts out, uh, I think Maryland being able to to pull that out would uh, would definitely ring ring true for for some recruits and kind of just add some ammo. Um, but again, you know, just for Maryland to go to a third consecutive bowl game in three straight years, have a chance to win it. I think there's there's a lot to sell, but I think, you know, again, USC, I think is kind of my preferred matchup. I think Utah would be a very, uh, would be, probably be a pretty intriguing matchup for Maryland. I think uh, that might be a pick em. maybe Utah, three-point favorite, four-point favorite, if, if that. But I think I think it'd be that'd be probably the max spread that I kind of see. But um, again, uh, I'm I'm happy. I think ever since we talked about it a few weeks ago, Mason, I, I kept telling you anywhere warmer than Maryland, I'm on board with. So uh, Vegas already checked the box for me, man. Yeah, don't be too sold on that, my friend. Vegas desert's cold at night. The desert is cold at night. Okay, once once the sun goes down, I'm inside, man. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, and and look, any day that's better than the weather was today here. Uh, yeah. in maryland nice one of those beautiful november i mean maryland should have been playing rutgers at, at cq today uh in the yeah. 36 degree rain uh that, that hit most of this area that would have brought out a record crowd and, and not a good way record crowd uh to college park yeah H- higher lower than the spring game it, it has to be higher it somehow it would have had to be higher yeah. i don't know did you go to that maryland boston college game in all phases of weather uh in the edsel era I don't know, actually. I don't think so. I don't remember off the top. I don't think, no, I don't think I'd made it for that game, but I do remember that game. Yeah, that was not good, but uh, I don't know. Spring games aren't good either, but yeah, it was uh, not good weather, but we shall see. I, regardless, I expected to be more fans in uh, in Vegas. Yeah, there in certainly Vegas. will be. I think we're, we're talking in too much certainty now. I'm jinxing it now, so knock on wood a little bit there. Yeah, and certainly, you know, that time of year coming up where Inside the Black and Gold is a great place to check out all the Terps football recruiting news. Ahmed, lots of portal entries uh, over the past two days since really the game started wrapping up Friday in college football. Terps, as we mentioned earlier, definitely going to have to attack the portal with some need positions. So Ahmed will have all of that. Uh, anything else you want to add as, you know, we keep jinxing the bowl destination? Yeah, I actually just build it off that. I uh, haven't really plugged it on social media anywhere, but uh, inside the Black and Gold subscribers, I can uh, already give you an offensive lineman to keep tabs on uh, for on the on the forum. So if you have seen it, check back in for, for more commentary. If you haven't seen it, make sure you stay locked in. And uh, it's going to be a busy couple of weeks, an exciting couple of weeks. You know, I think a lot of fans – uh, you know, I'm going to go on a little bit, but it feels like a lot of fans, you know, these last five, six weeks, naturally we're looking at a lot of negative and it's understandable, but like a lot of what ifs these last couple of weeks, but chance to close the season out strong chance to, you know, consecutive eight win seasons, you know, that uh, it's not something that I see every year at Maryland. So, um, don't know what you have until it's gone and let's appreciate the now. Yeah, certainly. Uh, don't, haven't seen many winning seasons stacked on top of each other. In my time watching Maryland football, and and if you, and if you have, you're definitely a lot older than I am because it's been a long time since this program's been able to stack these. You know, props to Locks, he gets you know the bonus kicker in his contract. It, it's been, it really has been a turnaround. You know, it's time to kind of start to find the next step, whatever that is. But winning seasons in College Park, especially in Big Ten play, are few have been up until this point, few and far between. So, gotta gotta take as you just said, gotta take the good while it's coming to you, but. 
Working on the projected 2024 depth chart for Inside the Black and Gold. Of course, Ahmed, as I just mentioned, is going to have all the VIP content for you um, with the recruiting updates and the portal updates. And I guess we'll talk to you midweek. And then next time around this time, the Terps will have their bowl destination. So we'll be back on the pod here as things break. Uh, I guess we're really bringing back inside the bag over the next couple of weeks, Ahmed. Yeah, but probably probably Tuesday night um, should should be good. And by the time you're reading this, you probably already read the 2024 roster. So that will be uh, on the site pretty soon. So um, yeah, like you said, Mason, going to be a busy couple of weeks. Basketball about to kick back up as well. So make sure you stay locked in. Yeah, subscribe to InsideTheBlackAndGold.net. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast wherever you get it. Give it a thumbs up, a review, a rating, wherever you can. really helps us out here on the show. As always, thanks for watching us on YouTube, and thanks for listening, and hope you had a great Thanksgiving weekend.